0: to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. My defense is impregnable.
1: Anybody can get What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 344 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith,
0: and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Vince? What's going on, brother? Man, we almost had upsets across the board yesterday in boxing. But boxing, you know, the business of boxing at the last minute decides to get in the way of the biggest one of them all, Ken. Oh, I know. The Jack Catterall performance, as fucking
1: ugly and sloppy and frustrating as that fight was, should have been an upset special from the motherland in Glasgow, Scotland, as Jack Catterall. I, I I'm not a fan of that style of tactics. <laughs> you no, know, I've never been uh a big fan of that style, but it was enough to neutralize um the undisputed junior welterweight champion
0: of the world. And I think uh Josh got a bit of home cooking. <laughs> a bit? That was a big old fucking stew of home cooking there, my friend. Well,
1: hold on a second, Vin. I don't think the referee got the memo. <laughs> I think it's pretty important if you're going to be that corrupt. You better clue in the ref.
0: (laughs) Lucky for Taylor, he had Moretti running around the ring for him, whispering sweet nothings in all the judges' ear for for those last four rounds.
1: (laughs) That's how he gets on fucking St. Andrews for free. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He knows which tips to gloss. He knows. (laughs) Oh, man. Welcome back to the Boxing Rant Podcast. It's a packed episode. Um, Besides... All of the upsets and uh, you a know, full day of action. It really felt like boxing was back yesterday. And then, of course, the big announcements from the past week as Canelo Alvarez has signed. We'll talk about if it's a two- or three-fight deal because I have some <laughs> thoughts about that in and, in and of itself. But what we do know is as long as Canelo Alvarez wins his first fight as he goes up to 175 pounds against Dmitry Bivol and Gennady Golovkin wins his fight against Murata, This spring, then we're looking at a fall clash in Canelo versus Triple G Part 3. So we'll get to all of that um, as well. And in the fight preview, then, we bring it home as we welcome the return of the king. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez squares off against Julio Cesar Martinez in what should be, after a fucking pretty good 115 pounds scrap last night, um, that you know really delivered uh, as the Showtime opener, dude. One fifteen running it back with the king himself, Chocolatito and Julio Cesar Martinez should not disappoint. It should be fireworks until the bitter end. We'll get to that and the return of Jose Ramirez. But well, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 344 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, the show is available anywhere podcasts are available. Please rate and review. Uh, five stars preferred, as you know, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, you can leave reviews. We appreciate all of you that do that. Our Patreon support team out there keeping the Boxing Rant subscriptions afloat. <laughs> uh, we, we appreciate all of you out there, um, You know the ones that stuck around. If you would like to support the Boxing Rant podcast and all of our 40-year-old men endeavors um, please stop by Patreon.com backslash Boxing Rant. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. All right, Vin, let's get to the big news from earlier in the week before we get to the post fight here. Because as we all know, no matter how busy the boxing docket is, today's era of boxing is ruled by one man, and that's Canelo Alvarez. And it's official.
0: Dimitri Bivol and Gennady Golovkin
1: have won the lottery, Vin.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. I think that was kind of a formality over over what we've heard uh, for the last two weeks. And and look, man, you got to give Canelo credit. You know, I I know on this show we give we give Canelo cr- uh, plenty of credit, and we also give him plenty of shit, which which he's earned both equally. But uh, as far as the sport goes, and guys in the sport right now that are. You know, setting the standard for everybody else. I mean, jumping up to 175, fighting BVOL, no rehydration clause, no Diva shit, Ken. Diva free contract here from Canelo Alvarez. And then Mm -hmm. returning and coming back in September and fighting Triple G. (laughs) And what you mentioned before with the possibility of a third fight and Eddie Hearn kind of creaming his pants to get Canelo to come to the uk later in 2022 Uh, but i I mean and and look if he if he went and did that third fight and fought a fucking a john ryder or a whoever in the uk i mean is it anybody can anybody say a fucking word to canelo alvarez if he does that it's it's basically the canelo alvarez world tour at that point like you know you know what i mean so i I look i i I
1: I would make it what the 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 ninth light-skinned person in a robe, it's John Ryder.
0: <laughs> I just want the streak to continue. <laughs> and the fact that at number nine, he circles back to an actual white boy, like a <laughs> a pasty, pale-skinned white man. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. I, if he can go, if he can make it to double digits doing that, I mean, that's that's a record that will never, ever, ever be broken in the history of this sport ever again. But all that bullshit aside, uh, I look, man, Canelo's a fucking beast, dude. I mean, he's carrying the sport right now, hands down. He's got it on his shoulders, and he's swinging a golf club while he's doing it. You know, putting backspin on balls, sucking it back to eight inches on, on, on fucking PGA courses. The guy's a fucking legend at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, he really is. Uh, you know, look, I I appreciate all of the pandemonium behind you know Canelo Fest, and you know to those that won the. <laughs> You know, that won the sweepstakes or whatever. Um, look, I'll I'll quickly say about the two fights. The B fight is very interesting, stylistically. It is. Uh moving up against a guy that, you know, is in his physical prime, um, that does some things that over the career of Canelo Alvarez has been his kryptonite. People that have a good jab and that can box um have always given Canelo fits. They they just have. And If Bivol is able to ramp up his ability to jab and put more mustard on it, that's always been a big concern of mine when it comes to Bivol Is that, you know, he's got technically his footwork, his positioning, his range, you know, uh, his jab is picture perfect. It's just there's nothing on it. So that's going to be a problem against Canelo. Canelo has an iron chin, right? So Bivol is going to have to really ramp that up. I think if he stays at the same jabbing production that he has maintained, throughout the peak of his career, the prime of his career, but he's able to really sit down on that thing, that will give Canelo fits. I think it's a great style matchup. I think at the end of the day, when we boiled, boil it down and we reduce it down to its purest form, um, it's an unprepared Dimitri Bivol that's going to step into the ring with boxing's hottest fighter in his prime. And that will show, and that'll be the, you know, the difference. I mean, hey, I think it was uh, uh, Steve Kim said it on Twitter, right? Um, He's just like a better version of Caleb Plant. Eh, Yeah, he's like a little bit better version of Caleb Plant. I think that's a great. (laughs) I think it's a great comparison, honestly, because that's kind of how I I I view Bevo. Nonetheless, I mean, this guy's a legit 175 pound fighter with you know legit wins at that division. And you're right, man. I mean, this could have easily been divified big time. It's like he he like fucking finally exercised his chi of Miguel Cotto's diva spirit, right? (laughs) After all these years, Um, because we've heard it, you know, uh, numerous times. Now, things could have changed with all the layoffs from Dimitri Bivol, but dude, I've heard him on the record. Uh, say that, oh, I can fight at 168 pounds. So I think that Canelo could have easily leveraged that in that fight if he wanted to. But the fact that he's going up for a legit 175-pound belt against a prime fighter, not a shot, Sergei Kovalev, this is a much bigger risk Mm -hmm. and a much better fight than him going to cruiserweight to fight Alunga Makubu. Now, as it pertains to the Triple G fight, I'm not going to get long-winded on that right now. You know I want to see that fight. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to see Gennady Golovkin's last stand, hopefully, as long as he gets through Murata, um, and see what he looks like at 168 pounds and see if he has one last hurrah in him. So I'm super excited about that. But the reason I'm fast talking through this is I want to get to this third fight. (laughs) Okay? And so miraculously, out of like, uh, okay, two fights are announced, and then the Reynosos come out and say, Oh, no. And then we're going to turn around in December and we're going to fight Makubu at 200 pounds. And I was sitting here thinking to myself, dude, this is exactly what, what uh, the fuel, the motivation that Gennady Golovkin needs. Because if anybody watched their first two fights, that was not Eddie Reynoso saying that that's going to be our next challenge in December. No, that was not it at all. There was nothing about that made Eddie Hearn's ears perk up and was like, yeah, 160 million. Let me fucking bathe in this. Right. Keep keep going, Chepo. Keep saying it, Eddie. <laughs> right. Because what it really is, it's the ultimate kick in the dick. And what they're saying is Triple G going to be light work, young. <laughs> oh, I- <laughs> and that's all there is to it. it. That's all that is, dude. That is posturing against Golovkin. And,
0: you know that pisses g off oh absolutely 100 percent. yeah they're they're playing the game there and uh, let me just say this about that like the the rumors of that three fight 160 million dollar deal deal that you know is apparently out there Mm -hmm. i i gotta say something about the zone real quick and what the fuck that like what kind of retarded business model they are executing right now you gave this guy an eleven fight, three hundred and sixty five million dollar deal, originally. You get four fights into it, and you are like, "We got to get the fuck out of this deal. This, we can't afford this. This is too expensive. What, what did we do we do? We, we overpaid. This is this was a mistake. Let's part ways." Now, a year later, he leaves you. He he goes to fight in the PBC. You see what he does on pay per view, selling eight hundred thousand or whatever the hell it was, and. You all of a sudden think after the books are cleared, of course, after your billions and billions of dollars of debt are are cleared, you decide to come back with an even worse deal, an even bigger deal. I I, like I I don't how do I get a job in these boardrooms? Who are these people? I I don't understand it, man. Like what the fuck? Now you're paying him over you're paying him fifty three million a fight if you split it up three ways evenly? Get the fuck out of here. I, I'm telling look, Canelo Alvarez is a superstar, Ken. There ain't no doubt about it. All right. He is a world renowned fighter known by celebrities, other athletes all across the world. He's transcended the sport. There's no doubt about it. He's not worth $53 million a fight. What the fuck are you guys doing? Like, and, and, and now to come back and, and put pay per view on, like, okay, this time we figured it out. We just got to charge extra when he fights. So it's not about adding subscribers now. It's just about reaching into a fight fans pockets like it was in every other platform that's ever existed in the sport of boxing. And it's just a fucking joke, man. Like all of these, I, 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 like I refuse to fall for it anymore from any of these fucking promoters, any of these factions, any of these networks, whatever the fuck you want to call them. TV shows, promoters, everybody's got a different name for everything. They're all full of shit, dude. Like, oh, free boxing for all turned into pay-per-view everything. The zone, the end of pay-per-view turns into, well, now just on special occasions. They're the one you know? We'll have a special occasion when Canelo fights. <laughs> you have to pay a little extra, okay? Just uh, $60 more. Come on. I, fuck it. I'm not going to subscribe. I'll just buy the two Canelo pay-per-views and pay the 160 rather than pay the $100 plus the $50 plus the 50 more. Like your loyal subscribers, you are you are making them pay more overall. I don't understand. It makes no fucking sense. You people are out of your fucking mind. Dezone, you're going to fail. Uh, newsflash. I don't know if you knew that already or not. You wasted 4 fucking billion dollars. You're going to do it again, all right? It's just a fucking joke. It's a joke, man. It's a fucking joke. The only hope DAZN
1: has is winning the bidding war for the NFL in the United States. They don't get the NFL in the United States. They'll never take hold in the United States. The NFL ain't going
0: to a streaming platform that's stuck on 1080p, Ken. Oh, man. Hey, man,
1: fucking DeZone's executive vice president lied to your face when you asked him if there would ever be pay-per-view
0: on DeZone. Joe Markowski. How dare you, Joseph? Looked at, he looked you in the eye. Kiss your fucking mother with that mouth, pal? Yeah,
1: that fucking fake-ass Robert Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lied to you, man, and now he wants to dig in our pockets. He had the nerve to look at both of us and said, "It's for you guys. Yeah, it's for (laughs) the fans. (laughs) For the fans, (laughs) Um, dude. I don't. You know, it's it's so typical. I had a guy I worked with one time. I remember when Wegmans opened up uh, nearby where we're from, and this guy worked for. I was so excited. He goes. He said to me, he's like, dude, they're just getting you. Okay, they're gonna get you in the door with all these fucking prices. You're gonna buy paper towels and all the shit that you burn through and waste as a human being going to have all these low ass prices on it. You're going to start going there and then slowly the prices will go up, up, up and up and to the point where you're trapped in that fucking menagerie yes. <laughs> and you're paying and you're paying 50% more now. Um, it happens everywhere, man. The, um, the ceremonial, um, bending over and inserting into the anal orifice. <laughs> I mean, it happens everywhere. <laughs> you know? it, it really does. It's spectacular to me, though. Um, you know how this like level of of money, like these billionaires, like, and eh, let me take another uh, four million and uh, let me wipe your debt clean. Now, now gouge the people. It's like <laughs> what? Uh, okay, that is some 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 wild wild shit. But Dazone lives another day. And if you want to watch uh, all their other fights, then it's going to cost a pretty penny. I'm with you, though. I mean, what's the fucking point? See these, You see these fights in other ways.
0: You know well, what I'm saying? Yeah. Who am I missing? Like, who's the other stars on the platforms? that Boo Boo and Devin? I'll be streaming oh. Boo Boo and Devin all day long, son. <laughs> I ain't paying for that shit. No, no. Look,
1: that's just it, man. You want me to pay for Boo Boo? Then y'all gonna need to show me some proof of purchase. I want to see where my investment's going. The fucking Rhode Island Recreation Center and the fucking the boardwalk arcade, those are not venues for fights. Okay, if I'm paying a hundred dollar subscription, then I expect to see my fucking returns. You know what I'm saying? You know what, dude? For for Boo Boo and Devin, no, absolutely not. Like this 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 concept of being overpaid, look overpaying the guy that that that's probably worth 40 45 million to 53 million whatever i mean i guess that's the market right i mean aaron Rodgers said that if he's going to return to the green bay packers it's going to require 50 million dollars a year that's some wild shit dude yeah wild shit you know people sleep on the fact because you know baseball likes to shoot itself in the dick all the time so nobody really watches it anymore dude fucking
0: mike trout makes almost 50 million a year yes <laughs> fucking nuts it's out of, it's out of fucking control dude uh, unbelievable i never thought in my lifetime we'd be seeing this shit like remember when floyd mayweather signed that deal for 36 million a fight we're like holy shit this is unbelievable unfucking believable and yeah. it just it just won't stop but here's the fucked up thing with the zone too you got boo boo and Devin sitting there the first time boo boo or devon step up it's gonna be a fucking pay-per-view anyways they're not yeah. you know what i mean they already overpaid what it was what boo-boo makes three and a half million baseline what do you think he wants to, to fight somebody that's any that has a fucking pulse five or six million and they can't he can't put six thousand people in the civic center in rhode island like you said so it's, it's it's ridiculous man it's the it's the most upside down retarded market like as a marketplace the sport of boxing i've ever seen in my life people just yeah well i guess it's Worth whatever you think it's worth. Fuck it.
1: (laughs) Uh, We are going to cancel this deal. Uh, And I want more money. Sure, man. Whatever you need, (laughs) Canelo. You know, fucking Eddie. Eddie's probably paying like, he's probably paying 10 or 15 mil out of his own pocket. Like, guaranteed, you know, Um, just on the back end there. No, look, man, I'm excited uh, for both fights.
0: Um, Good luck. Uh, fighting in December. That's all I'm gonna say. Just good luck with that. Two tough fights. Your turnaround, come back in December off oh, Golovkin fight. I don't, you know, we'll see how the Golovkin looks, but that's a that's a that's a hefty ask there. It is.
1: It is. Um all right, Vin, let's get to the post fight because we had a lot of boxing from this past weekend. Um and we'll go to Scotland. Uh Josh Taylor, the unified junior welterweight champion of the world taking a mandatory homecoming fight, not that it was mandatory that he fights at home, Um, against Jack Catterall, a guy that was a very highly regarded prospect. I think he came in on one of our prospect lists in the top 10 Mm -hmm. when we used to do one of those things. Um, Look, man, you called it, and I concurred, I notarized it that Jack Catterall was going to give Josh Taylor fits and that people would be surprised by this. But I'm with Dre on this one and and Tim Bradley, but mostly Dre. I was just more in shocked at how fucking rusty Josh Taylor looked, how shitty he looked, like how he was. I mean, this was very basic, basic fundamental defense. I'm not talking about the holding. I'm talking about when Taylor had him up against the ropes, you know, very fundamental defense. And Taylor was whiffing and whiffing. And the unfortunate part was he was whiffing while only throwing 300 punches for the entire fucking fight. He should have been disqualified for being a pussy. Honestly, (laughs) like you, sir, do not qualify for the belt and the new, what, 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 what happened, you know, by pussification, you know, like you have to participate. (laughs) It's like, like that—that that is like like forty-one-year-old Manny Pacquiao output. Right. What the fuck is the three hundred punches? What is that,
0: I, dude? That was look. I've there's a, there's a, a bunch of factors that I think come into play here for Josh Taylor, and I honestly think—and I know everybody's saying it—I think ring rust it might be at the bottom of the list, and it definitely plays a really? a, a factor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, because Josh Taylor's been in big time fights. You know, whether they've been spread out. Like they have been like nine, 10 months apart or whatever. He's been in that atmosphere in big time fights. He shows up, performs well. He's always on it on fight night. Something was off. When Josh Taylor walked out, I went, he looks flat. He looks like completely flat. I don't remember when you, when we were at Taylor Ramirez, he walked out and Taylor Ramirez and you could see it on his face. That was a guy that was laser focused. Super confident, ready to go. He did not look like that last night. Not at all. No. But I think one thing that people are are missing from that fight is Jack Catterall, what he was able to do was completely 100% neutralize Josh Taylor with his defense. He gave him no targets. He gave him nothing to hit, and Josh Taylor had no like, – he just – he wouldn't pull the trigger. The only target he gave him early on was the back of his head. And Taylor was hitting it, and the ref jumped in right away and gave him two warnings quick, said, look, no more of that. So that took that away from him, and I think Taylor got frustrated. He got really frustrated because he was fainting and fainting and fainting, and Jack Catterall wasn't biting. Wasn't biting at all, and he was catching Josh Taylor in between feints with his hands down with quick, short, compact, accurate one-twos right down the middle. They aren't the hardest punches in the world. But they sure were pretty scoring punches, and they were landing at will. Now, Catterall didn't throw a ton of punches either. And I think down the stretch, that's kind of what allowed uh, the business of boxing to put its foot in the door and say, ha, 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 not so fast, sir. But uh, a, a lo- of all the things that came into play, and, 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 and another factor being Ben Davison as a trainer for Josh Taylor is all wrong for him. The style of fighter that Josh Taylor is, he's turned him into somewhat of a faint machine and somewhat of a guy that looks for one big shot and is looking to set up that one shot. It's not that simple. It's just you can't be that elementary at this level against. Dude, that is some fucking Joe Tesco Joe bullshit. It, it, That's my
1: I, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to interject real quick. Yeah, British British. Fucking trainers have this reputation and this stereotype, and it fucking fits. They oversimplify their fighters to the detriment of when they step to the world stage. I know this was fucking Brit on Brit crime, but you know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and and, and, or sc- and Scott on Brit crime. Sorry, I don't mean to insult the Scott. And look, dude, you know I, I wasn't aware of this, and they said it coming into the fight when when Jack Catterall's entering the ring. This is a major, major thing that had I known, I, I mean, I knew Jack Catterall was good. Had I known this before, he was a main sparring partner for Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather coming up. That type of experience in sparring is fucking priceless because you know what What I saw from Jack Catterall last night was whether it was holding, whether it was dirty, all of it was a guy that knows his way around a boxing ring. A guy that knows the ins and outs of the inside game, the outside game, how to how to fight rough, how to do whatever you got to do to win. Because I don't think their strategy offensively was anything special last night from Jack Catterall and Jamie Moore. They neutralized, they they took the opportunities that were there when they had them. They didn't overextend themselves trying to get a knocked out, they got a knockdown Anyways, and almost stopped him and looked like they were going to at one point. Overall, as a game plan, I don't think you could have fought any better than Jack Catterall fought that night. I give him credit for absolutely neutralizing what it was in the last two, three years. One of the best offensive fighters on the inside and outside. He did nothing. He looked lost offensively. People kept saying, "Is where's his ring IQ?" I don't think his ring IQ went away. Okay, I-, I think it's it's still there and intact. Jack Catterall just just fucking scrambled to everything last night, and that and a big fucking punch in the first round, big left hand in the first round, landed right on Taylor's chin. And trust and believe, if those are some of the most important punches in a big fight, first round, you can crank one off on somebody's chin like Cambosis did against Lopez. You gain respect and he got it early. And I look, I, I couldn't have been more impressed with that fucking performance. But before we go and saying Josh Taylor's done, he doesn't deserve a Terrence Crawford fight. It's all over. He's complete like just the immediate reactions were, were blowing my mind. People, we've seen this before. Sometimes a guy knows how to neutralize one fighter and he can't beat go back and look at Shane Mosley coming up to one hundred forty seven. Moves up, beats Oscar De La Hoya, wins the belts, fights Vernon Forrest, gets absolutely wrecked, absolutely destroyed by Vernon Forrest in back-to-back fights. Vernon Forrest turns around and loses twice to Ricardo Mayorga. It wasn't that Vernon Forrest was that much better of a fighter than Shane Mosley. He was just that fighter that Shane Mosley had no chance against because Shane Mosley wrecked Ricardo Mayorga. like that whole triangle theory of shit. Sometimes in boxing, there's just a style that a certain fighter just can't deal with. And we've seen it quite a bit here recently in boxing. Guys have figured out ways to neutralize good fighters and put on performances like Catterall put on. It was ugly brutally fucking ugly to watch at times and slow as fuck. But you got to give them credit. They did what they had to do. That's what they had to do to win the fight. They weren't going to go in and try to impress. They were going to do what they had to do. Three yards in a cloud of dust fucking boxing is what that was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, And sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. Dude, uh,
1: I mean, what did fucking Tyson Fury do to beat Vladimir Klitschko, right? like if if that is a if that's a squared up fight if those two go toe to toe old school style um Klitschko fucks him every way to Sunday probably yeah but Tyson Fury knew to beat Vladimir Klitschko to dethrone him it was going to take a neutralizing and it it was going to take fucking making it an ugly like you said fucking just you know Roughneck style. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's what has to be done, right? That's how uh, Andre Ward was able to convince the judges that that he won the first fight against Sergey Kovalev, and that's how he won the second fight against Sergey Kovalev. Julian Williams you know? against
0: Jared Hurd. There's another example. Yes. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Um,
1: Josh Taylor is going to be just fine. I think moving to 147 pounds is fine, but he's got another thing coming. If he can't defend that fucking... Uh, you know, that, that straight left from from Jack Catterall, what's it going to look like uh, coming from, uh, you know, a Southpaw Terrence Crawford then? What's it going to look like?
0: Yeah, I, I, look, that performance last night does not bode well for him in thinking about what happens if that's Terrence Crawford standing across the ring. But I, I would say this, you know, and, and Terrence Crawford was always going to be the favorite in that fight and probably a three-to-one favorite in that fight, you know, even without that fight last night, from even without that performance last night from Taylor. Uh, Crawford's had some performances over the years were that were head scratchers as well. All right, yeah, he yeah. started horribly slow against Cavallaskis. I remember people watching that fight going, "Damn, Terence looks done." Damn, he does look done. Oh, he got dropped, but the ref saved him. Like all those things happen too, and I know he turned around and won the fight in the ninth round by stoppage against Cavallaskis because that's what Crawford does. But this happens, okay. Great fighters have bad performances. Great fighters get gifts in their careers. Almost every great fighter, you can point to a, a point in time where they got a gift. Floyd Mayweather, Jose Luis Castillo, you know Tim Bradley, Manny Pacquiao, all of these guys, it happens. It just happens. Um, I'm not going to sit here and be one of these guys that pushes a great fighter like Josh Taylor to the side because he had a bad performance and lost seven to five in a tough fight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he should have lost. I'm not arguing that, but it's not like he got blown out of the water.
1: No, no. Josh Taylor needs to fire his trainer, and he needs to go yes. get on the horn with Robert Garcia um, or Eddie Reynoso. That's who he needs to be working with right now. He needs uh, he needs somebody that can teach a cagey technician. Uh, I know he doesn't. Turning, I know he doesn't
0: want to do it, Ken. But that ain't a bad option either because he looked really good when he was when he was at McQuiggan's gym. Yeah, no, I shit, man. But here's the thing.
1: if <laughs> You can't turn him into fucking Callum Smith. That's what he looked like last no, night. Oh, you
0: can't. It was, it, was, it was rough. It was rough to watch, boy. Uh, some of these
1: British trainers are like, if we can just lure him in with our mesmerizing technique. It's you know, all about the, <laughs> set the setup, mate. Shot.
0: We'll set him up, mate. The perfect shot. Oh man, yeah, you,
1: you, you can't cage the animal, man. Let this motherfucker loose. Yes, you know? Let him loose. Um all right, let's get to the showtime card. Then uh Chris Colbert versus Hector Garcia, who is a late replacement, uh came in I guess on uh 2 or 3 weeks notice and he won. He beat Chris Colbert. Um look, we didn't preview this fight and there's a reason why we didn't preview this fight because Chris Colbert's just one of these guys. I, I, I don't know who thought that he was going to be good. Uh, but he's not and it's not taking anything away from Hector Garcia because that's that's pretty amazing that you can just step in and like fucking, you know, just ah, yeah, man, I'm going to just fucking dominate you real quick. Um light light work on this fill and I stay ready. But it is funny though because Chris Colbert is just one of these cartoon characters that you know, we've seen this so many times over the last, like, you know, the social media age where these guys, they do all their fucking, you know, their Twitter and Facebook branding up front. <laughs> they get all they get all that stuff figured out how their fucking career's going to go. And then the moment they meet any resistance whatsoever, uh, all of that shit gets knocked into irrelevance. Um, So, yeah. I, I'm not surprised that this happened at all. Do you have anything that you want to say about it? Because I'd rather talk about new Gurry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> look, I think, uh, look, I thought Col- Colbert, and I still think he is a very good fighter, but he's more along the lines of uh, Adrian Broner than he is, uh, you know, he's 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 headed down that kind of goofball path as a fighter. Yeah, I still think he could, like, he could have some things to offer at 130. He could be in, the, in or around the top five. But he's he's just a clown. He just seems like a clown that doesn't really – I think he's even said it before. Like, I'm in the sport to get paid. I don't give a shit about legacy. I don't care. about. He's just one of those dudes. I just don't think he's very smart, Ken. I'm not very smart, and I don't like to put people down that aren't smart because that would be putting myself down as well. But he seems like he might be a little lower on the spectrum of smart than I am, and that's disturbing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it is it is good thing uh boxing never worked out for you (laughs)
1: then um all right let's just go ahead and get to this junior welterweight clash between gary antoine russell and victor postal so let's talk about a few things real quick right so old gurry was like a groundhog old gurry would show up once a year Get his ends, get his W, and then old Gurry return to the recliner to watch old reruns of Sanford and Son, right? <laughs> so, so old Gurry kicking up them legs, and they say, they're like, hey, old Gurry, you watch new Gurry? Oh, I train new Gurry. I don't like boxing, though, but I show up when new Gurry need a costume. Uh, I walk him to the ring, you know, but I got to get back to my recliner real quick. So then you get new Guri, right? Now, both Gurries, old and new, both are plagued with the same deficiency. They both got alligator arms, right? They got these uh, T-Rex arms, right? These little short, short arms. The thing with new Guri is like new Guri is like the Incredible Hulk version of old Guri, right? He's got this physique and this frame and he looks imposing and he's athletic. So he's got all the tools of old Guri, except these really short arms. And not a lot of pop coming behind that musculature. Now, Victor Postal is a well-seasoned fighter, okay? Nobody thought that that new Gurry was just going to fucking run right through um, the Iceman. But, you know, look, man, this is a big step up. Look, you can't always harness, you know, the powers of old Gurry. He ain't always going to be there for you, right? You got to step up and you got to make your own path. I think new Gurry on
0: a good path, though. And I'm a big fan of Nuguri. I like his style. I'll cut through the shit. I think Tuan Twan is is legit at 140. He he is, bro. He's solid. But for, yeah, I saw is. some things last night where I'm like, eh. Postal's not what he was when he fought Terrence Crawford five years ago or whatever the fuck that was. Tuan got caught coming in. <laughs> he did. I'll say one thing about Tuan that I'm just a little, mm, He's not a natural puncher, dude. Tuan is not a natural puncher, Ken.
1: Nah, none of the Gurrys are.
0: So look, I think the athleticism and all that is there. And the boxing skill is there. He possesses the uh whatever that family uh Russell Gurry gene is. They got he's mm-hmm. got it, okay? And and I think he's one of the best fighters at 140 right now and can, and could fight anybody at 140, but there's some killers in that division, man. And there's one guy that everybody forgets about in Subriel Matias that I think would be a massive, massive problem for, for, for Tuan. I really do. And I, there's look one forties. There's got a, it's got a, you know, now that Taylor's probably most likely moving up, the division is wide open. Fimo Lopez coming up. Uh, you got Tuan, you got Matias, you got Ramirez still around a player. There's a lot of talent at one forty. I'm glad I, I I'm almost be glad if Taylor moved up, threw all the belts up in the air, and we started this whole trek all over again to find out who the best is at one forty. But I think I think Tuan's a player, no doubt. Tuan is a player at one forty.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you know, just like, you know, George Foreman named all of his kids George, so that way his 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 grill would stand the test of time. Um, you know, the Gurries, uh, I don't know how many Gurries there are. Are there like four or five Gurries? I think there's four. Yeah. Plus pops is
0: five. So, yeah. Five Gurries.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. There's something there. You know, there's something in the water, as they say, you know, Um. because there is some some good boxing um, DNA in the Gurry family for sure. But, yeah, I mean, Nuguri, he looks good, man. Um, He's got a bright future ahead of him for sure. Let's get to this IBF Bantamweight Championship fight. Jerwin and Cajas versus Fernando Puma Martinez uh, rocking the straight-up gremlin uh, haircut. That joint was tight. (laughs) Um, Let me tell you something about my boy uh, Puma Martinez before you talk about your favorite fighter, Jerwin and Cajas. Look. Puma Martinez, he fits. I hate the stereotype, but my boy fits the profile of a of, of an elite Argentine boxer. Okay. This dude, I mean, let's take Sergio aside. You know, he went to Europe and lived in Espana for a little while. <laughs> but the guys that stayed in Argentina until it was time to come to America, right? Uh-huh. These motherfuckers are ballers. And Fernando Martinez said. Ola Murafuka. Um <laughs> he he announced himself. I, I, I look, I, I'm kind of with you on the Encajas thing. I just am fucking tired of this guy. So I'm glad I'm glad that he lost. I fucking hate his style. His dude, I'm telling you right now, his trainer, when he came back in the middle of the fight and his trainer looked at him and told him to stop going to the body. He said, We need to score points. Start punching him in the face. <laughs> that is the worst advice. I have ever heard a trainer give because I'm telling you at the end of either the sixth no the sixth or the seventh round the final shot that uh, the final punch that was landed at the end of that round was a swiping body shot from Encajas, and fucking Martinez went back to the corner winded mm. I mean it fucked him up dude it swiped right across his gut and he re- he just retreated he backed up backed up bell rung and he he was hurt. And his trainer says, no, no, stop doing that. (laughs) Don't do that anymore. (laughs) Uh, Mind-blowing to me. Absolutely mind-blowing because it was actually working against Martinez. A guy with a motor like that, there's only one way to get rid of a guy like that. You have to attack the body. And it was there to be hit all night long. Puma Martinez, was swinging fucking knives like Baraka. This motherfucker was, (laughs) I mean, he was, dude, he was intense. He was relentless. He was. And Encajas, he fucking abandoned ship in the middle of the fight. What the fuck was that?
0: Yeah. uh, Here's my thing with Encajas is, first of all, you know, this could probably be considered a step-up fight for him. And I know Martinez was not known yet, but you're talking about a recognized amateur fighter. You know, <clears throat> Marcos Maidana signed him real early because he saw the talent. Clearly, the talent is real. He's a he's a he's got an gr- unbelievable motor, and he throws punches from kind of awkward angles. Is able to land. You know, almost at will and combinations last night. The problem with Juro with Uncas is he can't he can't punch his way out of a wet paper bag, dude. He really can't. He's got no fucking power at all. And once he got tired in that fight, and he was swinging. Them arm punches, even when he was landing, and the commentary was like, "Oh, and Cajas has an answer every time. No. He might have an answer, but that wasn't doing nothing to Martinez, and that's why Martinez kept pouring it on in that fight. You know, I I'm not surprised at all by that outcome. That that is the type of fighter uh, in Martinez that that fights a guy like Encajas and, and shows the world like this is this was this guy the whole time." Had he stepped up and fought anybody at any point, this would have happened.
1: Yeah. Dude, it just it speaks to the narrative of modern boxing. Nobody is prepared for their big fights except <laughs> except for the guys that are hungry. Yeah. You know? Like most of these guys are just like they're like in chaos or they're like Adonis Stevenson. Like once they arrive to their biggest moment, <laughs> like they get crowned and then it's just smooth say
0: it a, it's a all the way to the end. Yeah, it's not a career victory lap, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally, man. Um, speaking of a career, uh I I I thought that this would have helped disappear the career <laughs> of Guillermo Rigondia um having this fight in the Middle East against Vincent Astrolabio. <laughs> yeah, so um but what's great is not only was he banished to the desert, but he lost. Um, And is, you know, without clobbering, you know, Riggo too much with, okay, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hurt the old fella at this point in his life. You know, we all know that Loma made him quit. And unfortunately he quit before Loma got to exert his physical advantages. So we only got to see him get his fucking ears boxed off. So, you know, when he did quit, that was kind of like, oh, wow, we really don't have to watch this guy anymore, do we? Because he clearly doesn't give a fuck. We've always kind of suspected this. But there's this strange segment, the cult of Rigo. We all know that they exist. But listening to their being being privy to their inner sanctum of, of conversations, like the day or two leading up to a Rigo fight, when you're like, fucking Rigos fighting again? Fuck. Right? <laughs> like they have the strangest com- uh, the strangest conversations dude the strangest ones and their arguments the longer rigo exists the more their arguments just fall flat on their face i had one guy come at me when i said that rigo is simultaneously <laughs> the the most overrated fighter Um, of our time, and the most boring fighter of our time. The guy starts off real strong in his retort. He says, uh, "Rigo's a legend. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. The the Donair fight. And then... (laughs) (laughs) It was like crickets, like nothing. It just falls apart. I was like, oh, and then nothing after. And then that's when everybody says, oh, but that was the time when everybody was ducking. Yeah, sure, there was a couple people that ducked Rigo, but I'm 100% confident that it was the promoters of those fighters that were ducking Rigo that were ducking Rigo. We've seen him live. We've seen what it's like. This motherfucker traveled 10,000 miles across the planet and got booed out of the place. (laughs) You know, people know a stinker. They they know a little fucking rotten curmudgeon when they see one, right? He's a sourpuss. Fucking Rigo's like, mm, well, hang on. The look on I'm his here face. i to ruin
0: everybody's time. <laughs> the look on his face, the body language, the level of just seemingly not caring about being an offensive fighter whatsoever and just thinking his presence, uh, his feet mm. on the canvas inside the ropes – is, is legendary enough to give him the fucking round? The arrogance that this fucking guy has operated with in his fucking career. I am sorry, man. Good riddance. I don't care. Bye, Rigo. Bye. Don't let the fucking door hit you in the ass on the way out, pal, because we don't give a fuck. Never did. Never did your fans. Look, That you're talking about the conversations they're having. Those dumb motherfuckers before this fight were saying, Boy, Rigo gets past this. I'd love to see Rigo and Inaway." You got a death sentence for oh, your boy? Gosh. <laughs> you got a fucking death sentence for him because Inaway will knock that motherfucker's head to another fucking dimension. All right. <laughs> and I'm not actually, you know what? Bring him back. Let's see it. <laughs> Let's fucking see yes. it. You know, I, yes. I Just I, there's too many times where we tuned in to watch this guy. And as a boxing fan, he just took a shit in your hand and said, deal with it. So fuck that guy. I could care less. I'm a boxing fan. I am not. I don't care to, uh, if this hurts his feelings or any of his fans' feelings, whatever. Fuck that. You gave me dick your entire career. Good job. You beat Nonito Donaire. And you left me holding my dick the next decade. So fuck off. I don't care. So let me get this right. <laughs> R- R- Rigo gave you dick, and then he left you holding your dick? Yeah. I mean, that it's a, is fucked it's up. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting scenario that leads me to the, go fuck yourself, pal, all right? Take a hike. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would cut off all emotional ties if that happened to me. <laughs> We're done. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> All right, let's get to the fight preview, Vin. It's the return of the king. Uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez squares off against Julio Cesar Martinez at 115 pounds this March 5th on zone from San Diego. Um, Chocolatito was supposed to fight Juan Francisco Estrada. They say Estrada got sick. So Julio Cesar Martinez steps up and takes this fight. It's interesting, but I can tell you one thing about Julio Cesar Martinez, Okay. I have a hard time believing, even in this man's youth, that he possesses the boxing IQ to be able to compete even with, I would say, even a 40-year-old Roman Gonzalez. And here's why. Julio Cesar Martinez is one of the most flat-footed, reckless, and sloppy, aggressive fighters that you will ever lay eyes on. This guy's technique is awful. One thing you cannot do, I don't care how hard you punch or how many times you wing sloppy wild shots, Roman Gonzalez is going to fucking eat this kid for lunch. His flat-footed style is going to get him knocked through the ropes Then, Now, maybe my tip is glistening a bit too shiny. I've gone full diamond. Uh, a bit early on this, and I'm, I'm probably going to end up passing out before the fight because of it—lack of oxygen, going to the wrong dome. But the reality here is, is that I cannot see a fighter that is that lacks the skill at at a, at a level of Julio Cesar Martinez defeating Roman Gonzalez.
0: What do you say, man? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And, you know, Martinez is a fun fighter to watch. He's a fucking whirlwind in the ring. Like, it's just a nonstop frenetic energy punches thrown from all angles. Just complete. Just it's, it's out of control. Honestly, really, it is out of control boxing. Here's the problem. And you mentioned some of it. He squares up. He squares up to the target. He lunges in. He leaves himself wide open. I dude, This is I think this is almost winds up being a. Tee it up showcase fucking performance by Ramon Gonzalez. All, you know, just this basing this on at any time, Ramon could fall off the cliff at his age in this division. It can happen in any fight. All right. I hope to God that he kept the same camp together didn't allow himself to blow up, didn't get into a fat camp. I don't think he did because he was preparing for Gaito to begin with. So you know he's dialed in on that and he wants to close that chapter. Um, I I cannot see him showing up to this fight and getting old, especially against this opponent. Like you said, he's kind of tailor-made, man. This style is tailor-made for the, the, the compact, accurate uh shifty fucking style on the inside of gonzalez where he's just gonna step to angles and just fucking piece this kid up man i i I think the kid can survive for a while i really do but i think come round seven to nine it's gonna start getting real ugly and it's gonna get to one of the to the point where because i don't think gonzalez has a a ton of pop at this point in his career uh, the coroner's going to have to step in or the referee's going to have to step in because this kid's going to be taking a fucking molly whomping in the ring from a legend.
1: Well, that's one of the great things about about Chocolatito is that even though his power has waned, nobody expected him to fucking just destroy a fight like he did. No. You know what I mean? No. Like, so even, and that's what speaks to his greatness. At 112 and 115 pounds, um, Roman Gonzalez has a fucking devastating knockout percentage. I mean, to to knock out as many fighters as he has at those lower divisions, uh, that's part of the tale, man. It's not just the master aggressive boxing style with Chocolatito. There's much more that gets folded into it. Um, but yeah, I just think that the experience level here alone, it's going to take a really unfocused Chocolatito to lose this fight, in my opinion. Yes. Um. I'm. I'm. I'm I'm gonna say the king probably stops this kid somewhere around the eighth or ninth round. Yeah,
0: this, this is like uh, you're you're in the Chinese restaurant that has the conveyor belt of food that keeps coming around, and you can just take whatever you want. This, this is fucking a conveyor belt of fucking openings in this fight. Chocolatito, all he's got to do is take what is given to him because it'll be given to mm-hmm. him all night.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, I'm just glad that the king is back. And I and and look, all all jokes aside, I genuinely hope he comes out victorious and that he does fight Estrada later in this year. Yes. That would be fantastic. Yes. Yes, for would. Everybody. All right. Let's get to the final fight preview and get out of here, Vin. It's the return of Jose Ramirez against Jose Pedraza. Now, Jose Pedraza is that girl that you went to high school with that everybody's had a turn. And <laughs> it just so happens that Jose Ramirez is getting his turn a little late. So... It's not like it used to be. It's not like breaking in a new catcher's mitt. This is like flinging a ballpark down a hallway. Um, <laughs> Jose Ramirez, it, look, man, it's like everybody else. If if he's fucking rusty, he, he's gonna look like shit against Pedraza. But come on, man, stop it with Pedraza. I mean, this guy is just—it's it, come on. It's it, go like fucking. I guess he's got to fight somebody, right? And it's gonna be an in-house fight, I guess. Pedraza. Hey man, somebody go lube up Pedraza.
0: It's his turn again, (laughs) dude. I actually thought Pedraza looked halfway decent at 140 pounds.
1: Look, so did, and Kiko Martinez
0: looked good in his
1: last fight. It doesn't mean that they're not rode hard and put away.
0: I'm not arguing that fact. That thing has been worn out. Them 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 stage curtains they blow in the wind. All right, we we don't have to lie about that. But I'm saying. Jose Ramirez, I think confidence was broken in that Taylor fight. I'd like to see how he he shows up to this fight uh, from a confidence level. And if he's off or Jose Ramirez has slipped a little bit from what he was, I would not be surprised at all to see Jose Pedraza make this a very close fight. He'll have to harness the energy of fighting back in Fresno.
1: So the crowd should be pretty good for this one, right? Yep. Um, He does pretty well in front of that crowd. Yeah, I mean, look, man, fights like the one he had against um, against Josh Taylor, uh, those definitely can have an extended uh, impact on a fighter. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I just think, you know, I, uh, Jose Pedraza is here to lose. I mean, this guy's not here to win. He Does he think he can win? I don't know. Maybe he thinks he can win. I don't know if anybody told him he's there to win. I think he's just,
0: it's okay. <laughs> Lube him up. Oh, it's, the, <laughs> I mean, it's the old Mexican versus Puerto Rico rivalry, Ken.
1: <laughs> ah, yes. Let's let's uh, reheat that one. Um, well, look, man. And on the undercard, we have some young talent, right? We got Gabe Flores and Joette Gonzalez yes. returning in uh, in separate bouts. Gabe versus Abe in the Battle mm. of the Abes. Mm. So that'll be good. Gabe versus Abe. Um, and Joette Gonzalez versus uh, Gio Santasima. So, uh, yeah, man, look, top rank's got a lot of young talent. So even when you're, you know, you got Ramirez and Pedraza, I know there's a lot of people out there excited for it. 100% of my pipeline will be flowing towards Chocolatito. Yes. Let's just put it that yes. way. <laughs> There'll be no disruptions
0: in Nord Stream Kent. Uh, yeah. Okay? yeah. I, I might get my pants back on in time for the Ramirez-Pedraza fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be asleep. <laughs> I'll be asleep. Um,
1: Actually, no. I'll be on a a flight home to uh, the Washington, D.C. area where we will reunite the Boxing Rant podcast to an
0: in-studio show. No more of this fucking satellite voodoo stuff we've been doing. I got to move the shit out of this sandbox I'm in right now (laughs) so we can fit in the same fucking room. (laughs) We're going to be doing the show from the retention pond out
1: front <laughs> <laughs> on a boat
0: <laughs> on a little skiff a dinghy so to speak that would be the perfect place for you and i to do a
1: podcast on a dinghy <laughs> live from the dinghy oh shit get out of here um, just uh, get out of here yeah so that's the plan hopefully we'll be back in studio next week um and uh, i think that'll do it for episode 344 action-packed episode then but
0: we succeeded Uh, just another banger from the boxing rant ken just another banger buddy that's right maximum effort in season nine
1: (laughs) lexington steel type effort and
0: forcing all the blood to that thing baby
1: Oh, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 344 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they're available. Please rate and review. Catch the video version of the podcast on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. We'll see you next time on the Boxing Rant Podcast. Muchas gracias, everybody.